0: The Plan with Callahan podcast is brought to you by Kirby Callahan Wealth, a practice of Northeast Planning Associates. Financial planning is hard. Let them make it easy, one step at a time. Financial planning offered through Northeast Planning Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and member FINRA SIPC. Northeast Planning and LPL are not affiliated. Now, on with the show. Let me have your attention for a moment, because you're talking about what you're talking about? Money, money, money. Ah, high finance. (laughs) Bulls, bears, people from Connecticut. That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. I'm Tommy Callahan, big Tom Callahan's son. You like Huey Lewis on the news? Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Playing With Callahan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Callahan. We're back. We made it to episode three. Look at us. I want to first say thank you to all that have reached out with your support and feedback. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast, but please feel free to tell me what you really think. And again, what topics you'd like to hear about and anything else that you'd like covered. What a week, let me tell you, it's always coming up Callahan. It hasn't snowed all winter, and then the one weekend I decided to take my wife, kids, and mother up to Vermont, all the way up near the Canadian border, we get a nor'easter. Is wrong. You should have gone one more. White knuckles for two out of the three and a half hour drive. We had a great time though. My he doesn't even ski. We went up to Jay Peak and hung out at their indoor water park. It was really cool, we had a blast. But as if my blood pressure wasn't high enough, my five-year-old tells us that he has a girlfriend. And the best part is, the girl has the same name as my wife. Now I knew this kid was a mama's boy, but this is starting to get a little out of hand. He told me they're gonna get married and have kids. I can't wait for my annual physical coming up in two weeks. Then this happened. Withers takes it into the front court. Lowell won't try another shot. they will settle for 98 points and a wire-to-wire victory. Now, for those of you that don't know me, I'm a diehard Bryant University sports fan. Yes, I understand you don't find a lot of diehard Bryant University sports fans out there. They're not a household name. But, hey, since I'm running this podcast, you're going to hear a little bit about the Bulldogs from time to time. Long story short is when I was there, We had just made the transition from being a Division II school to a Division I school, and it was very exciting. I'll never forget a lot of buddies that went to other, let's say, more traditional Division I schools, such as Boston College or Providence College. You know, they all said that Brian had no chance at the Division I level. Well, I'll spare you the almost 15 years of history. But my wife and I, we both went there, and last season, the Bryant University men's basketball team made their first appearance in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, better known as March Madness. It's been awesome to see this program grow, and grow substantially. All of their programs have had success at the Division I level. They've announced they're building a brand new basketball arena, which will also add another section to their already beautiful football stadium. Expectations really have never been higher. The expectations have been so high, especially for their men's basketball team, that Bryant was actually picked to finish second this season in their new home, the America East Conference. And they also received two votes to win the conference outright. So, you know this has been a promising season. You know Brian's beat Powers. They beat Syracuse. They've beat other high level competition like Florida International and Towson. But this past weekend they just laid an absolute egg. It's not ideal to say the least. But Bryant can hopefully right the ship this weekend when they go to visit Binghamton. But fellas, you got to bring the noise, okay? You got to bang the glass. You got to rip those rebounds down, and you got to take care of the basketball. You gotta fight those buffer, you gotta- Anyway, I could go on and on about the Bulldogs, but hey, it's the Plan with Callahan podcast. we got another great show for you today, and we're focusing on one of the biggest cliche New Year's resolutions out there, getting your finances in order. When you look at most common New Year's resolutions, they have to do with either fitness or finances, and usually none of the goals get accomplished. Trust me, I'm guilty of it as well. I've been carrying around 40 pounds for the last 12 years that I've been waiting to get rid of. But hey, 2023 is my year, baby. But when it comes to finances, what I've learned is that it's best to simply just take a look back at where you've been. Because when it comes to fitness, we know if we need to lose weight. We walk around with it every day and we know how we got there because of what we're eating. But when it comes to finances we know when money's tight but we don't really understand how we get to the position that we're in it's a little bit harder to gauge so where do we start well the first thing you need to do is take a look at your essential versus discretionary expenses you can do this on a napkin okay first take into account all of your essential bills if you're a homeowner it's going to be mortgage property taxes property insurance If you're renting, it's going to be your rent and renters insurance, but then you'll have utilities, internet, cell phone, car payment, grocery bills, student loans, gas in your car, health and dental insurance, child care, uh, if you have kids, and add all those up. Then on the other side, put down your discretionary spending, going out to dinner, vacations, memberships, streaming and cable services. Yes, I have those under discretionary because you don't need every single streaming service clothing, jewelry, charitable giving, anything else you can think of. Take that monthly number, annualize it up, and now you have your budget. Then we need to look at your income. Now if you're not doing this already, please save your tax returns, keep them in a filing cabinet so you always know where there are, if it's digitally, you know, whatever is easier for you. But get your 1040 from your previous year's tax returns and take a look at page two. There at the bottom, you're going to see what you paid in taxes. Subtract that amount from your gross income and now you'll have your net income. Take your net income and subtract it from your essential expenses. What's the difference? Hopefully it's a big positive number. Now you can subtract your net income from your essential and discretionary expenses and hopefully that number is still positive. So what are we trying to figure out here? Well, this is obviously pretty straightforward, adding up your expenses and subtracting them from your net income, but we're trying to find out if you can live on 65% of your money. And I know some of you are already saying, that's insane. There's no way that I could live on 65% of my money. Well, the fact of the matter is, first off, yes, you can. You could eat beans and rice all day and, and live off of you know 30% of your money. But we're obviously trying to be a little realistic here. Why 65%? So, let's get the legal out of the way first. The truth shall set you free. I am not a tax professional. If you have tax questions, please seek the guidance of a tax professional. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant. These thoughts are mine, not the thoughts of LPL Financial or Northeast Planning. This is not investment advice. I'm smart and I want to spend. Okay. So if we look at the majority of working Americans, according to thebalancemoney.com, the average American pays about 13% in federal income tax. Now that's just federal income tax, which is different from FICA. FICA, the acronym F-I-C-A stands for Federal Insurance Contributions Act. That's better known as payroll taxes. For this, again, very broad example, but for someone who's not a, you know, tax professional and is not currently giving advice, let's just say a regular W2 employee will pay 6.2% of social security up to $147,000 in 2022, and they will pay 1.45% on all of their income to cover Medicare. So when you add those two numbers together, a W2 employee will pay 7.65% for FICA, which goes on top of the 13% of federal income tax. So now we're looking at a total tax of, let's call it 20 and a half, 21%. You also need to take into account state income taxes, which range dramatically depending on which state you live in. Here in the great state of New Hampshire, we have no state income tax, and let's keep it that way, please. But if you live in, let's say California, their highest state tax rate is over 13%. Now that's progressive rate, and we're not gonna get into the specifics or the politics of that, but you can see where I'm going with this. Again, why are we saying 65% of your income? Well, what you're probably saying is, hold on, if I'm adding those two numbers together, that's about 21%, I don't need to live off of 65% of my money, I can live off of 79% of my money. Yes, but it would be wise to consider saving for retirement. How much should you save for retirement? Well, there are a lot of thoughts out there, but the one that I tend to agree with the most, and you'll hear this especially if you listen to someone like Dave Ramsey, is that it would be prudent if you save 15% for retirement. I know it sounds high, but stick with me. And when we say 15%, we're not including any matching. This This is your 15%. Any matching on top of this is just gravy, but what is the average person saving if they are saving for retirement through, let's say a 401k? Well, they're usually just meeting whatever the match is. And typically the match on a 401k is between four and 6%. Now it's not required for a group retirement plan to match. They don't have to. So you very well could be in a plan that doesn't even have a match, or could even just be a straight profit sharing plan where you can't make contributions. It's just a profit sharing that gets dumped in at the end of every year from the company and it's not required that they do it every year. So you have to take a look at you know, how much money are you making? What's 15% of that? And then what tools do you have at your disposal? Do you have a group retirement plan? Is it a 401K, 403B, profit sharing, whatever it is? And let's say, God willing, you're making so much money that 15% is more than what you can put into that account. Well, there are IRAs out there that you can open, you can also make contributions to those, or there are other tax deferred accounts you can use that can supplement traditional retirement accounts. But let's just use a basic example, okay? Let's say your gross income is $100,000 annually and you're 35 years old, okay? And in this example, you haven't saved a dime yet for retirement, and you want to retire in the next 30 years at age 65. Well, you got those 30 years to save, and you better start saving now. If you save $15,000 per year, and your returns do what the historical average of the market is, which is roughly 8%, how much will you have at the end of 30 years? Well, you'll have about $1.85 million. Now, how long are you going to live in retirement? Well, let's stay prudent and say you're going to live until age 92. Now, I have a ton of clients that will always say there's no way, you know, especially my baby boomers. I grew up in the 60s. We took it to the limit. There's no way I'm making it to 92. Well, with all due respect, how old are your parents? And most clients will say, well, either, you know, my parents died or uh, my mom's still alive. Well, how old's mom? She's 93. Okay. Again. Odds are probably high in the world that we live in with the way that we take care of ourselves, the medicine and the treatments that we have at our disposal, you're probably gonna outlive your oldest parent. Yes, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. So if you retire at 65 and you live until you're 92, that's a 27 year retirement. And depending on the expert, you'll find that most financial planning professionals will say that if you can live off of 4% or less of your retirement savings per year, then there's a low risk that you will not outlive your money. Again, regulators, I am not guaranteeing that. This is not investment advice, but stay with me on the example. What's 4% of $1.85 million? It's about $74,000. What's the average social security check for someone making $100,000 per year? Well, right now it's about just under $35,000. And I'm getting that statistic from Nasdaq.com. So $74,000 plus about $35,000 is giving you about $109,000 per year, let's call it. Now we know, especially given my riveting discussion on the previous episode regarding recent egg prices, that $109,000 in 30 years is not going to be worth the same amount as it is today. Now it's hard to adjust for what Social Security will be, because Social Security does have cost of living adjustments. But the fact is, is that the government they need to make some serious decisions on Social Security, and we will definitely talk more about Social Security on, a, on another episode. But if they don't make any if they don't make any changes at all, it's twenty thirty five. Twenty thirty five is the year. If they don't make changes, come twenty thirty five, Social Security is going to start going bust my fingers hurt oh well now your back's gonna hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty so it's tough to to forecast that we have to handle that on more of like an annual basis but you know hopefully social security is going to be there it's just how much is it really going to have an impact on your retirement so what's the point of this entire exercise hey saving 15 percent can give you a realistic chance at maintaining a similar lifestyle in retirement as you had while you're working, okay? But that savings needs to start as soon as possible. Again, this is a very basic example. The fact of the matter is, when it comes to financial planning, we would get much more in depth on your spending. You know, if you look at the spending trajectory and how much that's gonna change over the course of uh, your life and into retirement, you know, there's gonna be some expenses that you probably won't have 30 years from now. Hopefully the mortgage will be paid off. You won't have student loans. Um, of course, childcare, right? You won't have to worry about that 30 years from now. So I, I don't to think, I mean, 15%, unfortunately, I can't say it's a cure-all, but it's a great start. So to recap, what's the best thing you can do to start the year? Figure out your spending. Get a napkin out and figure out your spending. If you can figure that out, you know, spending relative to income, that already puts you in a position to getting where you need to be and thinking more critically about your finances. And hopefully it'll encourage you to make better financial decisions over the short term, which can lead to better financial results over the long term. So as always, please send in any questions, thoughts, ideas, topics anything you want to hear about on this podcast. We've already got some uh, great input. We've got some guests that we're lining up here for some future episodes. I'm really excited about that. Uh, But again, I'll always end with avoid the noise, stay on your plan, and never stop learning. Until next time, folks, take care.